When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, welcome in to the Nick Bob Podcast. Make sure you download, you subscribe, you rate it, you review it, you share it, you hug it, you kiss it, you give it a pat on the back, you give it a... No, you just just download, subscribe, rate, review, and share. Download, subscribe, rate, re- review, share. Okay, that's, that's what we want from... Uh, from you guys. It helps. Uh, it helps, man. Every little bit helps. Uh, understanding the listener, all those sorts of things. Really appreciate you uh, taking some time out. Really excited about our guest today, Kevin Kugler. Perhaps you've heard of the name. Uh, he is, uh, the, the dude is a, a pretty big fixture in the world of sports broadcasting. Obviously, he, it, you know, what he did with Unsportsmanlike Conduct, I always tell people that that's pretty much that, that, that show, him and Michael, that's the standard. That's the standard for sports talk shows. So I'm interested. I, I want to go down memory lane a little bit with Kevin, get his thoughts on what made on Sportsman Conduct work, what it was like to do a, a, a sports talk radio show when Nebraska was kind of crumbling for the first time. Because unfortunately, we've all been kind of gotten used to uh, Nebraska you know, uh, losing, maybe having a bad year. I mean, try to remember what it was like back in 2004 and then in, in 2007. Like those those seasons were like. Whoa. And those guys were on the air. I want to, I want to talk to uh, him about what that was like and then kind of just get into uh, his career in broadcasting, uh, how he deals with criticism, um, what his process is like, what it's like to nail a big call in a big game, uh, get his thoughts on Nebraska football this year, the rest of the Big Ten, what he thinks for Ryan Day, Jim Harbaugh, all that stuff. But you know, Kevin's a guy that I've known Kevin now for psh, 13 years almost. 13 years, he, uh, he would have me during my redshirt year, uh, the Nick Bob Blue Jay Report. I would come on on Sportsmanlike Conduct and, and talk about basketball and Creighton, and, and he was the, really the one. If it wasn't for him, I mean, he's probably been the single most influential guy in my career uh, to date. I mean, he, uh, he's the one that opened the door for me to get into sports talk radio. He signed off on me. He was able to get me some fill-in stuff on sports like conduct, which led to the Chick and Nick show. And then obviously led to doing the, the show uh, game time. And, and so he's, and he's really been great at helping me and how my process is of getting ready to call games, all those things. Um, just an amazing guy, unbelievably talented guy. Uh, really, of all the of all the play by play guys I work with, and I work with some great ones. I just don't. I don't think there's a guy that's more prepared. I mean, I see the sheets in front of. Not a guy that's more prepared. Um, he's competitive. Uh, he is a guy that is takes a ton of pride in what he does. I love calling games with him. Uh, he one of my favorite things about Kevin is he actually. This sounds weird, but he really listens to his analyst. He listens to what I'm saying. He'll react to what I'm saying. He'll tie something in that I said something early in the game. Like he's just uh, the guy's really talented. Really great guy. Was really gracious with uh, with with his time. You're gonna you're gonna love this, Kevin Kugler. 
is really, really interesting here for about an hour. So enjoy uh, Kevin Cooley. Here he is. Kevin, you want to do this to be? Yeah, let's. Uh, we might as well just like get it rolling here. Let's do it. I, uh, I, I know for me. So uh, I don't know if you know. I gave up my daily radio show, though, Kevin. Um, I I had heard. You know, I I kept calling in on Thursdays, and they'd be like, "Yeah, Nick's not here anymore." I'm like, "Okay, I'll try next week." All right, Thanks. we'll get a call you. Yeah, we'll give it a try next week. It's, for weeks I did this, and then there's no there's no Nick. So now I'm happy to know what happened. It is. Uh, it's been a big adjustment. No daily show every day. Do you remember? Do you remember having uh, going through a big adjustment when you gave up on sportsmanlike conduct? I thought you were going to ask if I remembered having a radio show. The answer is no. I don't remember having a radio show. So no. I mean, yeah. So yeah. It's look. Here's the thing, though. When I gave up the show, I left the next day and flew to Europe to do the Olympics. Ah. So. It wasn't like I had any time to sit around and go, well, now what do I do with my day? Because I, right. I, I literally was on a plane the very next day, and we were gone for a month for the Olympics. So, And then I came back, and it was preseason football, and then it was regular season football. So there was, there was literally no time for me when I gave up on sportsmanlike conduct to think about the fact that I gave up on sportsmanlike conduct because <laughs> I was gone for a month and didn't hear it. So I'm like, I don't know what's going on on that show. Good luck to them. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, it's not Matt Chick and Michael Severe. Wait, who is it going to be? What's happening yeah. here? Oh, I, I will tell you this because this has not ever, ever come up in that whole weird 2012 saga. I, I remember sending emails and having conversations over, I think it was Facebook probably at that time with people going, what is going on? Why is this? When did this happen? Where, in fact, if I went back, I could probably find some of those messages back and forth between me and Bishop and others going, well, apparently Schick's gone. Uh, do you want to do a radio show in Omaha? I'm trying to help him out. I mean, it was, uh, that was the, there should be a, uh, a, a, Maybe NET will do it. A thirty for thirty on the on the like the summer of two thousand twelve and everything that happened at sixteen. It was a uh, it was a wild summer that changed the sports radio landscape for a very long time. I mean, it yeah. just it uh, it had been you know, and it was one of those things I had actually thought about. And this is another revelation I don't think I've ever shared. I had actually thought about giving up my end of the show a few years earlier yeah. and had toyed with the idea of doing it. And then for a variety of reasons, one of them being the interest in beating uh, someone who we were competing with at the time, um, the, the, the interest in, in putting him out of his misery kept me around. And so I, uh, I was happy to stick around to do that. And then, uh, and then it just became a, a much better opportunity for me to go when I did. What do you think? I, I, I don't know if I've ever really picked your brain on a sportsmanlike conduct, and I want you to 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 go to go down memory lane here. What do you because that's that show, you and Michael, that's pretty much the standard of sports talk radio shows in this market. Like, what do you for, to you? What do you think made that show work so well? Here's here's what makes any show: the circumstances. The circumstances surrounding that show was we had the show going at the most tumultuous time in the history of the state sports standpoint. So, you know, and I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say, Oh yeah, gosh, we, we reinvented the wheel and we did so many amazing things that no one's ever thought of before. Cause that wasn't the case at all. I mean, look, we did some fun stuff. We had fun just like you and Matt did on your show in a different way. I mean, there were, there were, there was just a 
whirlwind of activity that propelled that show to great heights when you had the Callahan era. I mean, the Callahan era changed so many things in the state of Nebraska. It changed the perception of the Nebraska program. It changed the sports radio landscape because, you know, there, I, I will say this, there were not a lot of sports radio shows on the air in the state of Nebraska that were willing to be critical of the university of right. Nebraska and the football program. And that era demanded criticism. It demanded sharp, you know, and hopefully thoughtful criticism of what was going on. And that, and, and then the reaction that we got from the university, I mean, quite honestly, I, I joke about this and I say the somewhat tongue in cheek, you know, Steve Peterson, a huge grab a big thank you the next yeah. time i see him because had they just reacted and ignored us i don't know that it would have pushed it to the level of, maybe it would have because people were hungry for you know people to talk about this in a in a way that would hopefully give them some light and some hope as to what was going to happen with that program but had they just ignored it i i don't know but the fact that they yanked the rights away for programming from nat to keep me from doing the games and from, I mean, it was just, it was a silly reaction to it. But then of course, being the good sports talk people we were, we were able to raise it to a different level with parody bits that we did. And we were able to kind of spin it in our favor and, and look, everything worked out great for me and it worked out great for the show. It worked out great for the station, but it was a unique circumstance that I don't know you can ever duplicate again because there's been so many bad years of Nebraska football but I think people have become callous to it. At that time, it was still just shocking. Mm -hmm. I mean, Nebraska in 04 and 05 and 06, it was just shocking, in 07 specifically, it was just shocking to see them be bad right. because the 1-7-7 the seven seven season in 2002, but other than that, I mean, Nebraska played for the national title just a couple of years before that. So it was... It was the perfect storm for sports talk to take a step. And we were just fortunate to be the ones on the air that were able to take that step. Did you did you get pushback when you initially criticized from the from listeners and fans? Because that's one thing that's always interesting about what my time has been on the air is it's funny now, all the things that got me labeled the Husker hater, you know, ripping certain things about Polini criticizing the Mike Riley hire, whatever, all the things that all Nick, Nick Ball is a Husker hater, it's funny now are all the things people say about that time after the fact. So I don't know if I take some sort of comfort in that or whatever, but like, did you, did you get pushback at all when you would criticize from listeners? Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, there, was, there was a remarkable level of disdain from certain aspects there was a message board and this was you know message boards were still a, were still a thing and i guess they still are i don't see them as much i don't either <laughs> um but uh but there was a message board um that was very very adamant about trying to get me off the air because i was critical of the Pearson and Callahan era. I mean, to the point where they were on a massive, in my, and I put that quote, letter writing campaign to NET, to the university, 
you this guy shouldn't be hosting Big Red Wrap Up. This guy shouldn't be doing this. And they and uh, the ironic thing is one of the people leading that charge was a guy named Colby Cruz. I have no problem throwing his name out there. Um, because and the ironic thing was I had done he was married to a gymnast, former okay. gymnast at Nebraska, who had served as an analyst on one on a gymnastics event that I did and on NET. Yep. And this guy with the rest of his board were diehard Callahan. Oh, Callahan's the guy. Callahan's the guy. Non-stop. And, oh, and they'd hammer me. They'd call me any number of names. They were sending <laughs> these awful letters to NET. I mean, they'd post templates on their board of letters. Here's how you should write your letter to get Kugler off the air. Get this half hat <laughs> off the air. Get, I mean, uh, it was it was a it was comical from the sense of and I give you know, Jim Carmichael, who was my producer at NET at the time, and he's since passed. Yeah, he passed guy. in 2014. One of the one of the best people I've ever known, and a, yeah. and a terrific friend. Um, to his credit, he would get these things and he'd just roll his eyes. <laughs> yep. I, mean, I clearly didn't get yanked off a big red wrap up for any of this stuff. But this this board, especially wow. this group of message board people were just I mean, wow. they, it's it's funny now because, you know, years later. I'm not doing sports talk anymore, and it's always, oh, boy, those were the halcyon days of sports talk with Kevin and Michael doing that show and <laughs> Chick and Nick in the morning. Oh, those were the days. But at the time, from about 2004 to 2006 or seven, I was not exactly, you know, popular <laughs> Kev. I no. was kind of the opposite. I was sort of like, that guy, he's a loser, he's a jerk, blah, blah, blah. How can two-faced jerk, how can he go on the air in right. one place and say, well, I mean, it was just non-stop. So I don't miss the, uh, I don't miss that. I still get that sure. every time I do a Nebraska game. Uh, they all know where to find me on Twitter, and they all let me know that I suck at my job. <laughs> but it's, uh, it's, it's just crazy how much, uh, during those years, there was pushback that people have conveniently forgotten. So yes. uh, right. to the point where, and I will say this, to the point where this Colby Cruz guy, after the whole thing was over, and clearly he was wrong. Yeah. <laughs> you think? Sent some sort. He and Michael were conf- would converse back and forth on emails over the oh, years, talking football and stuff. And he's like, yeah, well, uh, kind of, you know, sort of a half-hearted apology, which he never gave to me and I certainly wouldn't have accepted it. <laughs> I am, I am, here's, here's the thing. I forgive relatively easily, but there is nowhere anywhere that I'm commanded to forget. Nope. Amen. So Amen. I, I can, I forgive. I don't, I don't, this dude had his own opinions. That's fine. But you and your minions went on and on trying to get me fired from jobs because I had an opinion that differed from yours. That's, enough of a thing where I forgive you for it, but I'm certainly not forgetting. Yeah. That, that show, I mean, here's the thing. Criticism comes with the, the job that we do, whether it's doing spouting oh, your opinion absolutely. on the radio, play by play analyst work for TV. And it's, I, I, I don't want to say I've arrived at being able to handle it, but I think I'm, I handle it better than I used to. 
How have you, you seem like you do a good job of like, you take it and flip it and try to make it like fun, you know, in, in some way. But how do you, what's that process been like you in handling criticism when you're calling games now where people, because, you know, with Twitter, people can, you know, they can let you know how they feel about what you just said in the moment. Yeah, and that's and that's difficult sometimes. It is because I take a lot of pride in my preparation and I take a lot of pride in my ability to call a game. And if I and, and look, nobody knows more than me when I screw up. So I don't need people saying to me and they will anyway, but it, it's not as if I'm unaware of it until I read about it. Oh, I said that guy's name wrong. I had no oh. idea. Yeah. yeah. Believe me, I'm I'm aware of it. I'm sitting in my office today prepping for games that'll happen three weeks from now. So right, there's, right. there's, I mean, there, this is, this is my job and I'm passionate about it and I love it. And, and sometimes it is hard. I mean, it, we're all human beings and I don't know that anybody likes the notion of being told you suck or you're bad or you're a horrible person or whatever these people say. But over the years, you just sort of get callous to it. And I think that's where doing sports talk really helped me is that, I mean, you know this. Every day you open your mouth on the radio and somebody says you're terrible at what you're saying. Yep. So at some point you just kind of become numb to it. Mm-hmm. You know, at some point I'm going to be like, okay, I, I get it. I suck. I sink. Okay. Great. But but it's two things that I've always that I've always tried to operate under. One, unless the criticism is coming from someone who employs me, yep. I don't really care. And I mean, I care and, it, and it's – you know, you try not to let it affect you. Know, a lot of times I don't. I mean, the, the random stuff like, you know, you you hate this team or, you know, yeah. I've turned that into just a bit uh-huh. now. Uh-huh. And, you do a good job and of it. People, yeah. and, people, and, and people play along, quite honestly, which is fine. Um, but, you know, it, I've always found on social media that if you put that stuff out there, then you have a lot of people who will come you know, and say, come on, this guy's an idiot. What are you doing? Yeah, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's fine. I'm, and, but the other thing is something that Lyle Bremser said a thousand years ago, and I tell broadcasting students this all the time, and because I, I believe it's a hundred percent true. He said, look, anytime you open your mouth on the air or on a podcast now, he certainly didn't foresee these things showing up, <laughs> but here they are. He said, anytime you open your mouth and say something other than the time or the temperature, somebody is going to be upset with what you're saying. And he's a hundred percent right. Yep. He's a hundred percent right. Even in his day, yep. when it wasn't exactly, Lyle Bremser wasn't doing a lot of controversial radio in the '60s, '70s, and early '80s. He just, you know, there was he was not hot taking it and open up the phone lines on KFAB to get people to call in. Hey, that's a hot take. This Devaney guy, he's got nothing for you. Nah, call on it. <laughs> his, his, there. This wasn't hot take era. This was. Here's the news. Here's this. Here's the discussion, blah, blah, blah. But he was 100% right. Anytime, and I think this is a truism on social media too. Anytime you open your mouth or tweet, tweet or do anything yep. else, and I think tweeting is an extension of broadcasting, so you never want to say anything on Twitter that you wouldn't say on the air. Um, I, to me, anytime you do that, and he's 100% right, somebody's going to be unhappy with what you're saying if you express any kind of an opinion, which is why. I stay away from politics. I stay away from that kind of stuff on Twitter, not because I don't have opinions on, but because that's just not what people need me to share. Nope. I'm. I, they're. They're. In, they're interested in me for sports, right? Or funny lifestyle stuff, or you know, goofy family stuff, whatever. But nobody's coming to me going, Kevin. Let's get your thoughts on the China situation, <laughs> because the, and and I'm not going to offer it. I, no. I'm just not. There's no positive. That comes from that. I agree. And unless it's going to benefit me, 
or my family or the world, I, there's just no reason for me to do it. Yes. So I'm not going to. I'm not going to make people unhappy with saying those things. I, they, they get unhappy enough with me for getting excited when Michigan scores a touchdown. I mean, I don't need, I don't need to find, I don't need to find any reason to get anybody else mad at me. Right. I, I had a, this was Kevin, this was probably three weeks ago, four weeks ago. I was eating at a restaurant with, uh, with my wife, Kim and my daughter, Mava, and they, Kim, Kim and Mava left to go. Uh, we drove separately. So they left cause I met them there. They left and I was waiting for the check and I had a guy who I could tell was looking at me the whole meal. He comes and sits, he, he comes over to my table and says, you know, he introduces himself and he says, hey, a couple of years ago, you blocked me on Twitter. And I just wanted to, to talk to you and, and express that we know some of the same people. And then he, I was like, well, what was it? There was, it, of course, it was a Husker basketball fan during the Creighton-Nebraska game I did that I, I apparently agreed with some foul that they called on Glenn Watson, and this guy, you know, <laughs> went nuts on me or whatever, you know. But it was such an interesting exchange because I think as – and I don't know this to be true for – I can only just – uh, how it landed to me, it was almost like the realization to him where it's like, listen, Twitter's a real place to a certain extent from the standpoint of what you say still matters, you know? And right. I'm, I know you're a big, I, I don't know if you block or you mute, but I, I got any more sometimes if, if I don't like the energy that you're giving me on Twitter and I can tell that you, I can tell it's coming from a place that's just jaded in some way. I, I don't, I mean, it's not your right to follow me on Twitter. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just right. going to, uh, I'm going to block you. But it was such, it was such an interesting exchange between me and this guy where it was like real life met social media at this restaurant. It was bizarre. I, uh, I give, I haven't blocked anybody in a long time. I'm mute. Yep. Um, because I, and there, and people, you know, like Michael blocks everybody because he <laughs> wants them. He wants them to know they're blocked. Yep. He wants them to know you are not even, you don't even get a, you don't get, you're blocked. Right. So he wants them to know that. So that's great. And that's fine. I'm a muter. Um, but I always say my, my opinion on this, my theory on this is I always give everybody one. I give everybody, everybody gets one. Mm -hmm. So, you know, these people that come at me and then I can promise you as of August 31, they will be coming at me because that's the first BTN college football game. Yep. And every weekend they'll come at me and that's fine. You get one. You can, and, and I'll usually take one of the critiques and by critique, I put that in quotes because they're yes. never critiques. No, it's just, never. you suck or, yep. you know, I don't know why your, your head so far up Purdue's butt on this <laughs> one. Uh, and, and so then I, they always get one because I'm like, I'm not going to, you know, you want to visit me? Fine. I'm, I'm man enough to take it. Um, but if they just keep coming back at me, yeah. that's where I'm just like, okay, I don't have time for this. And you became less entertaining when you do it a second and third time. Right. And really the only reason they threw you out there in the first place is because I wanted to be entertained. So there you go. You're yeah. muted now. Yeah. Cause I just don't, I just don't want to keep seeing it. Right. You know, and, right. and that goes back to the, that goes back to your energy thing. Yes. It, if you just allow yourself to continually be bombarded by negative energy from the same source, that's kind of on you then. Agreed. That's kind of, that's your, you are welcoming that into your life. And believe me, I, I'm hard enough on myself 
that I don't need to seek out other negative energy. Boy, I sucked today. Maybe I could go find some other people who would agree that I sucked, and we could all talk about how bad I am. No, I, I don't need that kind of – I'm not going to welcome that in. What, nope. What's good is that going to do me or, more importantly, Michelle and the girls when I come home? I yeah. mean, because yeah. you carry it with you. It's not like you leave it at the airport. You right. bring it home, and you let your guard down, and then you're like – Either, you know, curled up in the fetal position on the floor or you're passed out because you drank an entire, you know, <laughs> bottle of Tito's. I mean, that's... <laughs> but it is. You can... You, you bring it home with you. I mean, sometimes I can... I'll come... I, just my energy when I walk in the door, sometimes Kim will know, oh, you got into it. on You know, and, I, and I'm like, yeah. And so I've really... I've really tried to, to do away with, with even engaging in that. Because like you said, at some point that's on me. You know, I gave that negative energy my focus, and so, duh, it's negative energy. That's what it's going to do to you. The best is, the, the most satisfying thing is when you call a game and one fan base says you hate their team and the other fan base says you hate their team. That's when you know you're really like, well, I must hate every team because this is yeah. great right now. And, 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 here's, and here's the other thing that, that all of those people off when you're doing a national game, and you, it's always, inevitably, the game's 35-7. Well, you're clearly favoring the team that's up 35-7. Well, I'm the national guy that is either going to show lots of excitement for both teams when they do something, or I'm just going to be bland and down the middle. And I'm I'm an excitable play-by-play guy because yep. I, I – look, I'm a fan. And I know they're, they're play-by-play guys that say, oh, you got to check your fandom at the door. I am a fan of sport. Mm-hmm. And, I am an, and I am an unbelievable admirer of what these guys and women do – because there are things I can't do. You know, God blessed me with an ability to call a game. He did not bless me with the athleticism to play the game at any sort of high level. But I understand the game to a certain degree. I certainly I call myself an expert, but I watch a lot of, you know, I've learned a lot over the years from yeah. people I work with who do know the game. And I have an ability to describe the game. So those kinds of things, it, it's just, I, I'm not going to... It's it's just a it's a weird world that we live in there sometimes. Very much. But uh, but it's I wouldn't trade it. I just wouldn't trade oh, it for it's anything. The best. It's it. With all that said, I love it. <laughs> it yeah. sounds like oh, we're doing, but it's, it's, I mean it's it the greatest is, no, job no, no. in the world. This is it really is. It is it is by I cannot imagine doing anything else. I don't know what it is I would do. Right. Um, and I don't have any other discernible skills. So that would be a real problem. <laughs> um. But it is it is by far one of the great joys and passions that I I mean I, I I love it every I am excited for every game I do whether it's a preseason football game whether it's a regular season basketball game between two teams that one is incredibly lopsided and one is not or it's the national championship in basketball or it's the I mean I don't care what I'm doing I I, I love it and I can't do it on the field. I can't, there's no way I can get open against press coverage and score a touchdown in the National Football League or in college football or likely in most high school levels. But I, I can talk about it and I can lead my analysts to talk about it in greater detail. And that's, I, to me, it's just, it's a, it's a rush. It's yeah. not the same adrenaline I wouldn't imagine as you get when you hit a big bucket in a game with. 18,000 people watching Nick, but it's close. No, oh, I no it is. I mean it's I mean I think about some of the games you and I, I mean whether it's me and you courtside Creighton Ohio State 
uh, oh, you know, like Creighton Evansville. Evansville on NET in 2010. Every year. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's just so it's uh, it's it, it is. I mean, there, there obviously is nothing like when you're actually out there, but boy, and I'm sure you've had moments where there, there is sometimes where it hits you, where like Hinkle Fieldhouse is rocking, or uh, you know, so there, there, you're. I'm sure you're at the big house, or you're, so, and and it's rocking. You're like, holy bleep, this is, yeah, this is pretty cool, man. There is, there is very little that, and that moment hits me all the time. I mean, I yep. since 2008, I've been sitting courtside at the Final Four, and I am broadcasting that to, I don't know who's all listening to. I mean, there's. You know, more people than maybe you're listening to this podcast. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but it is, it's, it's sometimes overwhelming to be like, holy, I mean, look, last year I stood in a booth and went on national television to do a Detroit Lions Seattle Seahawks game on, on Big Fox, yeah. the network Fox that ended up going to over half the country because they had a smaller slate than they thought they were going to have during that time window. And so I'm on all over the place in a three man booth with, I mean, it's one of the, it was one of the most kind of overwhelming moments of my career in a career that I've been blessed to have so many moments to stand in this booth and recognize the fact that I've got like nine monitors in front of me and there's all these people involved in this broadcast. And, if I screw this up, all these people look bad because, you know, I got two analysts that are waiting on me. I got a producer who's done this for 25 years. I got all these people who are waiting for me to stumble and, and trip up. And, you know, it, it was it was overwhelming a little bit, but it was awesome. Yeah. It was just so fun and so cool to have the chance to do that. I'm fortunate I get a chance to do it again and this year and then do more stuff on Fox. And I'm I'm excited for that. I'm excited to do my Sunday nights on Westwood One. I'm. Ex- I mean, it's just, it's a cool thing. It's got to be because I know from it, it always it feels great to to nail a big moment analyzing something. I Kevin, oh. it's got to feel like it's almost got to be like the like a drug to if you what that emotion feels like in the moment where whether it's Chalmers hitting the shot in 08 or Jenkins hitting the shot. Uh, in the final four, I know I'm just sticking with basketball, but I'm a basketball guy. I don't know if you know that, Kevin. But like when you <laughs> when you nail a call for a big moment, that that almost has to be one of the five best natural feelings in the world. It is. Um, it, it's hard to beat. It, it really is. Um, and I've been lucky to have moments in my career to call big moments. Villanova, North Carolina. Yeah. Uh, at the end of the game. I mean, you're never going to have a better game no. and you're never going to have a better ending. <laughs> so on that stage with those stakes and, and I was, I was pleased with how it turned out, but, but you know, as many of those as you have, I also remember the ones that I didn't like, or I didn't, or I, it, it's terrible because when there are, and, and look, this is, this is the element of recency, but there was a preseason game earlier this month that I did. Uh-huh. And there was a call that I made and it wasn't a bad call. And I went back and watched it and, and I was fine with it, but it was one of those things sort of like when you're dating or you're trying to date <laughs> and you think of five other things that would have been better to say yeah. to her when you're trying to pick her up than what you actually said. Right. I got done with it. And as I'm sitting in the hotel room that night, I'm thinking, 
Oh, I would have liked it if I'd have said that, or if I'd have said this, or if I'd have, oh, that would have been good. And you, I mean, you can't go back. It's not like you can go back and, you know, like, like dating, you can't go back into the bar and go, what I meant to what say was this. Yeah. yeah. And it's the same with a play call. So as many times as you hit it and you get that rush of, holy cow, I really, that was awesome. And, and I didn't screw it up. You, you have those other ones that live with you. And I mean, it's a preseason football game. Nobody cares, <laughs> but it's one of those things that you sit there and you go, Oh, geez. I, I, there's five other things I could have said that would have been a better call in that moment. And you just, if you don't pay attention to those moments, you never get better. Yeah. You never get sharper. No you doubt. never, you, you never, you know, and again, it wasn't a bad call. It wasn't like anybody was going to go, Oh my gosh, I can't believe he said that on the air. It's just one of those where had I done this, it would have been better. So you try to listen to those, remember those, file them away, and the next time that comes along, then you nail it. Yeah. And you just hope that it's not in a huge moment in a big game because you don't get those moments anymore. You don't get Chalmers hitting the three right. to send the game in the national title game to overtime. You don't get the exchange of threes between North Carolina and Villanova to win a national championship. You just, that, those are, those are rare calls to get. And I'm fortunate that I've had both of them yeah. and I was pleased with both of them, but there's so many things that I've done where I'm like, eh, I wish I'd have done this better. Or I could have said that better or oh, that was, you know, a little more articulate and it would have been even better. Uh, uh, God, I could geek out with you with this for another two hours, but I want to be respectful of your, for your, of your time here, Kev. So uh, before, like, I, I do want to talk, I want to talk Nebraska and a little Big Ten here because we're, uh, okay. we're, we're ramping it up. Let's, let's talk about Nebraska. Uh, I mean, the, you and I have talked uh, about the high expectations, relatively speaking, high expectations uh, for, for this team. And I, it, it kind of seems like a lot of it is Martinez. I think a lot of it is Frost and Martinez. I mean, you, you mentioned how you've been, uh, intimately involved in a lot of these Nebraska football seasons. You've seen a lot of highly touted uh, quarterbacks come and go. What is it about Martinez that stands out to you the most? I mean, because he is, he feels like he's got a chance to be like on the Mount Rushmore of Nebraska quarterbacks. Yeah. And, and I, I hesitate to say that, but I, I, I feel the same way. You know, you're just, you hate to put that kind of pressure on a kid who's just starting his second year, but that's the thing that stands out most to me about Adrian Martinez beyond quarterbacks that Nebraska's had. And Nebraska's had some some underrated quarterbacks from a leadership standpoint. Zach Taylor is really yeah. a guy that people don't talk about, in my opinion, enough. He he was really one of the bright spots of that Callahan era. And and it was a great leader, great talker, guy that people would flock to, and then clearly people are going to flock to him. Now he's a head coach in the National Football League. But to me, the thing that stands apart for Martinez is not his athleticism and his skill set, which I think is significant, but he just has that aura about him that he doesn't – and you've been around guys like this before. You don't learn this. No. It's not something that you get up and go, I think today I'm going to generate an aura that's going to allow me to lead men into a situation. You either have that or you don't. Now, if you have that, I do believe you can foster it and learn to improve it but I don't believe it's something that you can not have and then just acquire through a book or something. I, I just, I, and he has that it factor of leadership of command of, 
you know, somebody who's going to be the eye of the hurricane, just calm and composed and cool. He carries himself far beyond his age. And when you have a skill set that he has with the ability to command that sort of authority, you're going to have a really, I think, a very successful career. Now, there's no more important Nebraska Cornhusker than him. I mean, the entirety of this season hinges upon his abilities and his ability to continue to grow and make everybody around him better. I mean, if he goes down, I think they're in better shape than they were last year when he went down against Colorado. I don't think there's any question. They have quarterbacks back there that they feel like they can move the ball perhaps a little more effectively than they did last year. But he's so important oh. to this team. And he is so there – is, there is he's one of those guys that doesn't come along all the time that has that it factor to me is well beyond any physical skill set. Right. There's a, it needs to be the total package of you're an athletic guy, but you're also a leader, command, respect, and authority. You're just, there's a lot going on there with him. And you can see why Scott Frost was drawn to him immediately. Right. And you can see why he was drawn to Scott Frost. I, I think there's a lot of similarities between those two from a personality. And especially as Scott's personality has matured from his days as a player through the NFL, the NFL made Scott a different person. And, and then his coaching, all the stuff that he's filed away and stacked layer upon layer. I, I think Adrian Martinez is drawn to that. And likewise, Scott's drawn to Adrian Martinez because leaders tend to be drawn to other leaders or people capable of that leadership. And I, I think they, they find that common ground between each other. What with, I mean, we know about Spielman. I mean, I, I talked to Barrett Rude uh, about Wondell Robinson, and I thought one of the most telling things he said was he's exactly the guy that he looked like on tape. And if you watch his highlight tape, he said he's doing all the same stuff at practice, so that's exciting. What, let's, cool. go, let's go with the, the concerns. What, the, for me, it's, I don't know if I... I don't know if I see a bunch of difference makers on defense, like, you know, the first-team all-conference caliber guys. And then the reality is, Kevin, the trenches, both offensive line and defensive line, that's not a quick fix. You can find an Adrian Martinez or a skill guy that can kind of revamp your wide receiver situation or running back or quarterback, whatever. But, like, the trenches is, is a process, and I, it's going to take a little while. What Would those be your two top concerns? What are your concerns? Yeah, I mean, I, it, people have to understand, and I hope people have patience, and I think they will. Yeah. Um, this team will be better this year. They look better. They look more like a, uh, a Big Ten team coming off the bus. I, anybody who sees this group, that's about the first thing they say. The BTN crew was in town earlier, and they did their, you know, they did their bus tour, and they stopped in Lincoln, and that was the first thing Jerry DiNardo and Howard Griffith both said was, well, they, I mean, they just look like it. They look like a bigger, stronger, faster. They look more like a Nebraska team. And I think that's a lot of nutrition and weight work. And you tip your cap to those areas under Scott Frost. And then, but you're right. The lines have to be a process. They have to be something that over time you develop. And it's not just the front line guy. It's the depth behind them. I mean, you have to be able to say, okay, we've got eight or nine guys that we feel comfortable having in those positions on both the offensive and defensive line. And, they're not there yet for that. They're getting there. They're closer this year than they were last year. 
And next year, one would think they'll be closer from a development standpoint than they are this year. It, it's, I, I just hope that people are patient yeah. because there are going to be fits and starts. There just are. It's the second year of a program. They're not going to do a UCF and go 13-0 and in the second year. So, but, it, but look, I, have, I would be flabbergasted if Nebraska in November is not in a conversation still in the West Division or in the driver's seat even. And I would be stunned beyond words if they were home again during bowl season. I cannot see a scenario that involves a healthy Adrian Martinez that this team is not bowling. Right. So there's the next step for improvement. The West Division is, is where you have to be if you're, if you're Nebraska. And I think this team is capable of competing for a championship. Now, that said, I also think Wisconsin and Iowa and Minnesota and Northwestern and Purdue all have things to say about this year. Uh, and I, there's no gimmies. I mean, no. there's just Illinois may be the only gimme, and Nebraska has to play that one on the road. Right. So I, I don't know. I mean, Big Ten is better this year, top to bottom. I don't know if there's a playoff team in this league, maybe Michigan, maybe Ohio State. I do think there's talent there, and I think Penn State, depending on the quarterback play that they get, can really cause problems for people because I think the depth that they have is better now than it's ever been. But, I mean, there's no easy weeks, which no. means you've got a lot of really good games, really competitive games every single week from top to bottom on the schedule. It's, it's a good year to be – working for BTN because if we've got the second or third pick or even the fourth pick of games on a certain week, we're probably still going to get a really competitive football game. Right. I thought Frost said something interesting to the BTN crew. He said that with the, with the conference, he was like, it's a kind of conference that if you don't bring it every weekend, you could get beat. But at the same time, if you bring it every weekend, you could beat anybody, which I think is kind of, that is interesting to kind of look at it that way because even last year, I mean, Nebraska had the, you know, Northwestern was a team that went undefeated in the division and represented the West. And I mean, you remember that game, Nebraska had them dead of rights late in that game and had them beat. And so, you know, it's, it's all kind of how you do got to bring it. And that's one thing that's different about the West, maybe than a couple years ago, even Barrett said this, it's like, there is, I mean, where's that, where's that game? As you were pointing out that you can just pencil in like, well, that's a week off. We are going to kill that team. I mean, Jeff, you think playing Purdue and Jeff Brahms uh, with Rondell Moore, you think that's going to be easy? You kidding me? No way, you know? No. No. I I mean, where's the break in the West Division this year? I mean, it's Illinois. I mean, clearly that's a program that is not, in my opinion, at the same level as the others. But, I mean, come on. You you know, you, you cannot look at any of these programs in the West right now and say, oh, well, they're clearly lacking. Well, they're not. And, and, and you know what? You, people sometimes, I think, diminish the impact that coaching has in a college game. You can't diminish the impact that coaching has when you look at this division because these teams that have retooled with dynamic coaches, Scott Frost, P.J. Fleck, Jeff Brom, they're dynamic in their own way, and they've all rejuvenated their programs to a certain degree. And, look, Purdue's all in. Purdue's all in on football. Yep. They're pumping money into the program. They're pumping money into their coach. This is a program that has said, we're not just a basketball school. We're a football school, too. And now, to, to me, the non-conference is a huge challenge for Purdue. They go to Nevada, and then we have them back-to-back weeks on BTN. They play Vanderbilt, which, if you look at Vanderbilt's roster, there's more than a, there's more than a couple guys who are going to be earning a paycheck 
to play football in the next year or two. And then they have TCU. I mean, Ooh. Purdue Sheesh. could get themselves blasted in the non-conference, or if they get through that gauntlet somehow 3-0, and look out, because they'll be more battle-tested than almost anybody in the league. What's uh? Let's go to the let's go to the east for a second. Um, I I'm a I'm a guy that always it, you know there's a, when you're in a room and and Harbaugh gets brought up. I'm a guy that always wants to defend Harbaugh. I think he's really good. I get it. Like he hasn't beaten Ohio State and he hasn't hung a banner yet. But I don't know. It's like to say out loud Harbaugh's not very good. I just don't. I mean, what are we saying? You know. I mean, it's like get real. What what? But when you've been around that team and around that program, what's it feel like? Because this does feel. Like the year with with Urban Meyer out, the Big Bad Wolf is at least not there. I know Ryan Day's got other things to say about Michigan and and how they're going to fare this year. But what what do you what's the sense you get around Michigan right uh, right now as they get into a year that that I feel like does I don't want to call it pressure, but there's a little bit of pressure there. It is it is a lot of pressure, I think, and not because of anything the Jim Harbaugh has done, it's all because of what he hasn't done, which is beat Ohio State. I mean, you look at what John – to me, the this is the example of what makes a rivalry great. John Cooper was a tremendous football coach at Ohio State. He won 111 games. He lost 43. And you throw out his first year, his 4-6-1 and one in his first year, you just throw that aside. He didn't have a losing record the rest of his career at Ohio State, he had one 500 record. He won double-digit games in five of his last eight years at the helm of Ohio State. But he was 2-10-1 against Michigan. And that, that's it. I mean, that's it, it. You know, it doesn't cut it. You, you didn't win against your rival. Have a nice life. We appreciate what you've done. Goodbye. The problem for Jim Harbaugh is you're a native son. We love you to death. You should know what it means to beat Ohio State. And he does. I mean, he 100% does. And, and, it, and it, I'm sure, kills him when 62-39 happened last year. And, but that's last year. The, his, the, the big thing I'm interested in with Michigan is, is Josh Gattis, the new yeah. offensive coordinator. How much of this offense, is, and everybody says it's going to look dramatically different. It's high-powered. It's fast-paced. It's a mix of RPO with some Alabama power run. It's no huddle. Uh, no huddle it's up-tempo. All that stuff is great, and, and if Jim Harbaugh does what he says he's doing and does not call plays and basically says, no, this is Josh Gaddis's offense, even in a crunch time, and it's his first year as a play caller, that's going to be very interesting to see how that plays out. They have all the talent they need. They have a quarterback in Shea Patterson who's in his sixth offensive system in six years. Jeez. You have, Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. You have four all-Big Ten linemen back. You have a defensive coordinator in Don Brown, who I think is one of the best in the country, despite the fact that they got shellacked in the final two games of last year. And he says his linebackers are the best he's had since he's been at Michigan. Uh, this, everything lines up for Michigan, plus the fact that they have a schedule that right now has six of their 12 games against a ranked opponent. So they can withstand a loss if they win the Big Ten and win the Big Ten championship game. I still think with that schedule, depending on who the loss is, Depending on that schedule, they can still get into a playoff, even with a loss this year, because they have a very challenging schedule. And that goes back to the fact that the Big Ten is deep, and they have Notre Dame as one of their non-conference opponents. Okay, I, I, there's light at the end of the tunnel here, so hang on with me. We're going to do one more question, then I got then I got rapid fire, and we're out. Okay, so All right. hang in there with All me, right. Kevin. Um, do, do, were you, if I'm not mistaken, I try to remember your. Did you have Ryan Day when he was in the interim? 
role yeah. last year? Yeah, okay. we sure did. did yeah. uh, does he have it to you? Like, were you struck by him when you met with him, were around him? What stood out to you about Ryan Day? He is, yes, is a short answer to your question. He has it. Whatever it is, he has it. He okay. carries himself with a command presence. When we walked out of the room, I remember saying to our, well, I guess Matt was still with me at that time before he went and had his heart transplant, our producer, Bart Fox, and our director, Phil Malika, we were all in these meetings, and I walked out and I said, well, if he's not a head coach here, he's going to be a head coach somewhere very soon. You just, sometimes you're around people and you just know they're going to be a head coach. You know, you're you're sitting around a basketball assistant and you just know that guy could could run a program, could be his own boss someday as a a head coach. There was no doubt he had it. So, yeah, this doesn't – it surprised me that Urban Meyer chose now to be the the movie made. But there's no doubt Ryan Day has it. All right, rapid fire. You ready, Kev? Yep, let's do it. Most memorable game you've called? Uh. 2000, the, uh, the, the, excuse me, the Villanova, North Carolina National Championship game. The, the ending to that game unreal. is unreal. And, and second is the Chalmers three yep. to send Kansas and Memphis into overtime only because that was my first Final Four. That set the bar kind of high for you with, with what yeah, you expect. Yeah, I know, you know? right? <laughs> I mean, I should have said, I should have said, Creighton Evansville, 9 NEC. <laughs> best, uh, and best, I guess, just your favorite play-by-play guy ever. Who is it? Um, oh, ever. Boy, that's a tough call. Um, depends on the sport. Vince Scully is the best wordsmith yep. that's ever called a game, in my opinion. If you ask me right now who uh, one of the guys that's currently working that I really admire, which you didn't, but I'm going to answer that anyway, <laughs> uh, Sean, for me, it's Sean McDonough. Yeah. I think Sean McDonough is a perfect mix of enthusiasm, crispness, doesn't mispronounce names, yeah. so he clearly does his homework. Plus, he's a good dude to hang out with. Uh, I'm a I'm a fan of Sean McDonough, an unabashed fan, and I've told him as much, and I have no problem saying it here either. Who's your fa- favorite analyst? Can't say Nick Baugh. Can't say Nick Baugh. Who's your favorite oh, analyst in sports? Geez. I mean, you take you, you take <laughs> away everybody's favorite. I mean, everybody's Todd. Um, my favorite analyst that I've ever worked with. Oh boy, and I've worked with some good ones. I love Matt Millen. Yep. He is one of my favorite people on this planet, and he's one of the all-time greats. I have been fortunate for a lot of years. I was fortunate to work with Bill Raftery, yeah. who is one of the just a joy. One of the best, best people. Um, analyst or not, he's one of the best people uh, in the world. So those two guys come directly yeah. to mind. I mean, I just I, I hate to exclude anyway because I work. I work with. I mean, I've really been lucky. I, James Lofton is a terrific dude. Mark Malone, who I started on NFL Radio with, is is fan, was fantastic. There's just so many people that I have been lucky enough to work with, from Sean Morris to Stephen Bardo to you. To right. John Crispin, I mean, to just so many good dude, Robbie Hummel. I, mean, I just, I'm yeah. lucky. I, I am really, really lucky that I every week get to go to work and, and genuinely enjoy being around the people I work with. X Men, Avengers, or Star Wars? Uh, oh boy, X Men, Avengers, or Star Wars? Um, well, Star Wars took a bad turn for me with their last movie, so I will probably say Avengers. Wow. I think Avengers of those three are the best recent movies. Uh, the Star Wars movie was an absolute joke, and I'm still mad about it. I'm <laughs> sorry you brought that up. And and the X-Men movies have been hit and miss. So for me, the, the most consistent good franchise has been the Marvel Avengers franchise. Coach, you most enjoy to talk to in the Big Ten, football or basketball? 
Oh gosh. Um, it's gotta be basketball only because the basketball coaches are usually a little more relaxed, personable yeah, than right. relaxed yeah. because, you know, it's one of 35 games versus one of 13. Yep. So they're a little less sphincter tight. Yep. Um, and look, Tom Izzo is one of the great people in the game. Um, and I've had, and I, especially over this last year, had a lot of opportunities to sit and talk with, with Tom Izzo to the point where I'm always excited because he now recognizes me outside of a basketball context, yes. which makes me very happy. Um, and so I, I have to say Tom Izzo to start, but we were really lucky in the Big Ten. You know this. You spent some time in the Big Ten this year. There's good coaches. Very in good. Yeah. I mean, there's just it's a really good league for coaching whether you go Izzo and I'm going to miss John Beeline I was a huge fan of Beeline and and him as a person I'm going to miss Tim Miles always good to talk with him um but there's this a really good coaching league and there aren't too many guys I mean look Steve Peichel of Rutgers is he's terrific Pat Chambers is a great dude I know you know that I love him um I mean he's great I just it's just a it's a really good league for coaching and so it's hard to narrow it down. So I'll just say Tom Izzo because he's the Hall of Famer. Game on your schedule right now for the football season you are most excited about? Well, I guess we'll stick with just college football. Don't go. Yeah, college. Yeah. yeah, I mean, NFL is the Sunday night schedule sure. for the most part. Although it sounds like I may be going to Mexico City for a Monday night game. Oh, my gosh. So that'll be, yeah, that'll be interesting. Uh, not 100% yet, but it sounds like that's going. Um, but from a college standpoint, we don't have a whole lot on our schedule yet. But to me – TCU-Purdue is Very just good. a fascinating game. I mean, you have, Gary Patterson is a defensive guru. Jeff Brom is an offensive guru. Rondale Moore against that TCU defense. I, I'm, I think that's it's under the lights on BTN on September 14th, and that's a that's a big game, and I'm excited about that. That's for for a non-conference game on BTN in September. That's that's a really really good matchup, and it's a day or it's an evening rather. It doesn't have a ton of huge games, I think that one's got a chance to be a, a pretty highly anticipated and highly watched game. I'm excited about that. Last question. Will this podcast work? Is this a, a venture that's going to work out for me? No, probably not. You know, it'll give you something to do. I mean, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, it's always it's nice to have something to, to kill the time. The time. I it. mean, you know, but I mean, look, you know, you got, you got, Pat and JT involved in yeah, this thing. I mean, that, yeah. that's, you know, that, every, every, it's, it's shaky at best to have them involved. <laughs> well, Kev, uh, that's 54 minutes of your time. No matter what, you realize you can't shake me. Like, no matter what I do, you're coming with me. Like, it doesn't matter where I'm, I go, you're coming I'm, with me. I'm happy to do the podcast anytime, although at an hour a pop, I'm not doing it weekly. <laughs> <laughs> Noted. All right. I, I, will, I will make a note of that. Kevin, hey, uh, really appreciate your time. Safe travels. Uh, I know you'll kill it this year in the broadcasting booth, and I might bug you again at some point during football season, okay? I will I will happily take that call, and I uh, I wish you very good luck on the podcast, and I'm sure I'll hear lots of flack for the names that I threw under the bus during this podcast. Ah, no one will listen to it. No one will listen to it. Okay, you got that going for you, okay? <laughs> Thank, Thank you, Nick. Thank you, Kevin. Production.